Welcome, everybody. I'm not going to steal too much thunder off the bat. I'll let you guys kind of introduce yourselves, although I think people know who these two guys are, but you can start. I'm Nate Jones on the founding executive team at a company called Royal, where we enable fans to share in the ownership of music alongside their favorite artists. I'm Big Boy, a.k.a. Daddy Fat Sacks, a.k.a. Hot Tub Tony, <laughs> Sir Lucius Left Foot, one half of the Mighty Outcast in this crypto space. What's happening? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I kind of want to start by way of introduction by just sort of saying, you know, big boy, like, you've been in the music game a long time. What excites you about Web3 in particular? I just like the, the, the possibilities of the direct communication with that pure fan base that you got. And them to participate in owning and supporting and promoting the music as well as having something that's cool and collectible. So. And Nate, what about you? What kind of drew you to the space? Yeah, I mean, I've been around the space since about 2015, 2016, working at Andrews Horowitz, working with a lot of artists that wanted to get into tech at the time. Obviously, we introduced Nas to the Coinbase founders, and that was an incredible moment. Um, and I just saw, you know, and we're going to talk about this, and Big and I talked about this backstage, which is networks owned by the network users creating all sorts of ways for you to distribute the incentives. And so seeing that, I, I automatically knew that there was going to come a day where art was going to be touched by this. I mean, it just seems so obvious to me. So, um, you know, late last year, you know, I was chopping it up with JD and Justin, just on some basic stuff, trying to, you know, talk through the business. And they were getting some advice from me and then uh, they started recruiting me. And so the model, the model for Royal was, was so compelling that I was like, okay, this, this is the future of music. So, you know, it drew me to, to want to come over and do this. For sure. Big Boy, like from the perspective of an artist, um, obviously, like I said, you've been in this game a long time. New tech keeps popping up all the time. Yeah. How do you kind of approach new things as they come out? Are you like, and what made you ready to jump on this and do the Royal Drop when it happened? Um, I think it's, you have to stay ahead of the curve of what's going on, you know? Um, and seeing that I have so much music in a vault and art, and I'm not limited to how I can release or, or either produce or release things, um, this opportunity, especially what I just did with Nate and Royal, showed me that that super fan are really your investors, you know what I'm saying? And they treat your music almost like a stock. I mean, it's not just a thumbnail or a picture, and it's like, I got so many treasures that I can just give to that person that really want them, and they can pr promote it for you, and it goes across the whole universe. So, right from my own home if I wanted to, you know? I don't need a record label. Yeah, and that, that drop sold out in minutes to a point where it's like, okay, we didn't make enough tokens for this. <laughs> but it just showed you that there's no real efficient way to understand where your most rabid, passionate fans are really at. And touring is a good way to see it, but like if I got a super fan in Des Moines, Iowa, and I'm not touring in Des Moines, Iowa for two years, it's hard for me to activate that super fan. The other part of that is, again, the incentives, and we talked about this, which is, if you're starting out your, your career today as an artist, the ability to go direct to your fans and say, hey, let's be successful together, Let's build, let's build this together. You really, you really love my music. Let's do this together and be able to actually confer rights to them. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. Yes. Let's talk about that too, like for an artist that's just starting out, right? Like maybe someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in Web3, maybe they don't have a huge fan base as an artist. Um, where are you going to kind of steer them within the Web3 space? What, are, what tools do you think they should be using? Well, there's a lot of things, not just Web3, but just tools in general that just didn't exist before. Uh, social media is obvious. You know, when you look at, when you look at like the decision-making that an artist has to go through if they're presented with a label deal versus should I do this on my own, right. um, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. There's only your answer. But one thing to keep in context is, is that a lot of this stuff has been undervalued, and we're seeing that now. And I think when people understand that when they maintain and control the rights of their art that, and, and they build around that, that there's actual value to taking that brick by brick approach to building your career. And there's more and more people that are doing that. Like Russ, we just had Russ on Royal Radio on, uh, on Wednesday and he was just, you know, he was ranting for about an hour on this. Like how many artists are just dropping songs hoping to go viral tomorrow and if it doesn't go viral tomorrow, it's a failure to them. And he was like, that's a huge mistake. That's the wrong way to think about your art. Tell a real story, connect with your audience, say real things, and let your audience decide what to build with you. Pay attention to them, pay attention to your fans, and then enable them. And so he was saying like, look, value your art and build, tell a long tail story. Don't just worry about what's gonna break through. Take the long approach, and it's eventually gonna be way more valuable. Yeah, I mean, Big Boy, maybe you can speak to this too. Like how, you know, you mentioned labels, right, and not knowing exactly which is the right, you know, everyone's going to have a different path to this industry, right? But how are labels going to kind of coexist with the new Web3 tools down the line? I think it's a question no one really knows the answer to, but curious what your thoughts are. Um, they're they're going to make sure they get in on it, you know? Um, like, for in a group like Outcast, like, there was no when we first started, you know what I'm saying, and now you got the Web3. They do have clauses in there about, we were speaking earlier about the derivatives of, but now labels know that this, the value of this is this, they're going to start coming in with percentages. Like, you know what exactly. I mean? We want this percentage of your Web3 and this percentage of your tour and this percentage of your merchandise, you know what I mean? So they, they're not going to get stomped out. No. No. No, that's not going to happen. I mean, you can build as much technology as you want, but these contracts are these contracts. They exist, and you can't, can't go around that. I do think there's another side to this, though, which is... Now, once I get a good idea of actually what my art is worth, I'm walking into those rooms with a lot more information on my yeah, side yeah. and leverage mm -hmm. to be able to have those negotiations and those discussions right, with right. the labels. To your, you know, to your point, labels are not going anywhere. We want to work with labels as well, but we want to work with everyone. Yeah. If you own rights, we want to work with you. And so, you know, that's the best thing you can do is. is have control over your work, you know? That's it. Um, ownership is, is what it's all about. That's where you got more leverage and more power when you're going into a label. You can just, like you said, build that story and have a, let them see that you're trying to do something to accomplish that particular goal. And where they specialize at is marketing, promotions, and radio. But in these days, you don't really need that old school formula. You know what I'm saying? So, but you, it better be jamming. <laughs> first thing first, it gotta sound good. <laughs> Yeah. What would you say to kind of someone who, who's got the sound, right? Like they maybe have a little fan base or they're an artist, but they're skeptical about Web3 for whatever reason, environmental impact or financialization, whatever it is, they kind of don't buy it right away. What would you guys say to them? I, I say try it. I, I was, 
skeptical at first, and then Nate said, let me show you what we do. You know what I mean? You own the rights to this song. How much can you, are you willing to give up and put, let the consumer participate in? And let me just show you what I can do. And then we did the drop, and within eight minutes, we sold out of the whole thing. And, and then um, it was trending on OpenSea like a couple of weeks after that on the secondary market. Still trading and trading and trading. We got some great incentives in there. And it was just the start. We finna do another one. We was gonna do one today too. I don't know what happened, man. We, we was gonna do one while we was on this stage. We were gonna drop all night and let y'all see how we work. We was gonna try and drop all night right here. Right here. We couldn't do it. But we 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 gonna we gonna talk about that okay. though. We're gonna talk about that. Um, we're gonna do it. Believe me, we are. Um, it's coming. When you go to Royals website, you don't you don't see the words web three or crypto or NFT. That's purposeful because the technology to us is, is an enablement layer. And we don't even really consider ourselves a true decentralized Web3 company anyway. We consider ourselves like Web 2.5. And honestly, for the mainstream audience to, to get engaged in this stuff, there has to be that middle ground where the UI is there, the trust is there, there's something there that's conferring something that helps them get through and right. understand how to do this. When we did the Nas drop, the biggest thing from, from Ant and Nas that they said was like, look, I want my friends, you know, back in Queensbridge to be able to do this, but none of them have ever had a wallet. None of them have a MetaMask, like, how are they going to do this? So our buy flow is such that we have a Venly wallet that spins up when you swipe your, your credit card. We spin it up for you and mint the asset to the wallet and then give you instructions. And so 90% uh, of our purchases for the Nas drop were through the credit card swipe flow, not the crypto flow. So that told us a lot. That told us there's a lot of people, there's a lot of mainstream buyers who are interested in owning art right. who don't really care that it's an NFT. Right. They just care that I now own, own this, this art. Piece. Yeah, for sure. I'd be curious too, I mean, the Nas drop was such a moment, I feel like, at the time. Like, maybe you could kind of take us through, like, learning experiences after that, going forward, kind of what it was like to get Nas on the platform and kind of like, yeah. Bro, we crashed the website. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was the most stressful day of my life, I man. It was. We were running around. So, so many people can't, we, we, we vastly underestimated demand, <laughs> to say the least. Oh. Um, you know, the website crashed. I think it was like five times the amount of traffic we thought we were going to get because um, it was the first time this is being done. So, everybody wanted to be, you know, a part of the first thing. Luckily, we were able to come back a week later and sell it out pretty quick. We learned a lot about our infrastructure and we learned a lot about demand. There's a lot of demand to do this. You know, you know yeah. Bigs, Bigs Drop will tell you that too. And it's, it's consistent. We've done nine drops. We got over 9,000 collectors. We've sold over a million and a half in music rights to fans where previously you had to be a private equity buyer or a label. Those were the only buyers, and this is the first time retail buyers have been able to participate in the ownership of, of rice, and we've, we've sold over a million and a half dollars of rice yeah. to, the, to the public in the last six months. So it's, it's an amazing time, you know? Yeah. And we talked about this too, but it's, it's also about secondary markets, right? Like it gives, yeah. I mean, you can speak to this too, like it gives listeners a chance to kind of participate in the economy of this song. Yes, yes, and I've, I've been watching it like since we did the Kill Jill drop, and see it being traded like my Apple or my Tesla stock on a daily basis. And I was just like, I mean, you're creating your own stock market, your own created stocks, and the, the, the buyers and owners are your fans that's gonna support you, and they're gonna tell people about it. And so you just gotta keep coming with it. That's, I mean, ready to do another one. Let's go. Yeah, man, ready to do another <laughs> Come on. One.
What would you say has been, you know, in both of you, I mean, in all your experiences with Web3 and music, this particular intersection, which is still, I think, pretty misunderstood in both music and Web3, um, there's a lot of skepticism around it. Uh, what would you say has been the most rewarding thing about this particular intersection for you guys each? Um, for me, I think it's the convenience of creating something and giving it straight to the listener, you know what I'm saying? And it having value and meaning, as well as they get to kind of mouth by mouth market and promote what you're doing without the sense of a big machine. And if you, you know, had a fan base of somebody like me that's been doing this like 28 years and sold like 50 million records, like we got fans all over the world. So as long as it's that pure product, they're gonna come get it. And you don't have to do it the old school way no more. I mean, you can move how you want to move when you want to move. It's independence, true independence. Yeah, for me, it's kind of personal. I mean, even, you know, for my love of hip-hop music, hip-hop got it out the trunk, yeah. right out the trunk. And built, and built a global behemoth of a genre. The number one genre in music was built right out the trunk, right out the neighborhood, built an entire genre, right? And so for me, I always think about this, and, and, and Big Boy and I, we talked about this. If, if this had existed 30, 40 years ago, when hip hop was starting, you know, it, 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 just, it would just be a, such a different thing right now. You know, you, you think back to Sylvia Robinson and, and what she built, right, with Sugar Hill, and how she had to like go around the neighborhood and A&R by meeting up with kids in the neighborhood and having them tell her who was hot and all these other things, and then her building the label. Like, those kind of entrepreneurs, you know, Master P, you know, yeah. Big Boy, yeah. an entrepreneur. These are all entrepreneurs who make music at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, sometimes it gets reduced down to these are just musicians. No, these are entrepreneurs who make music. That's their craft, right? And so, for me, it's very personal from that standpoint. My dad was a semi-famous musician used to play on tour with Nat King Cole, played with The Who, used to, play, used to make guitars for him out of our house, had a, you know, a workshop. And um, one of his guitar models was actually taken by a large guitar manufacturer and that, that model sells today. We didn't see a single royalty as a family from that. We never saw that. So for me, it's always been ownership and distributed ownership and fairness in, in that way has always been core to like what drives me personally. So, it, like I said, once I heard the value proposition presented to me by Royal, you know, joining the founding executive team was, it, it, it was an easy choice for me. So, in other words, you, you see it as something that is an extension of trends that have been around in hip-hop specifically from the beginning. Hip-hop's very entrepreneurial. I mean, in the music, you listen to, listen to hip-hop music, it's the most aspirational music there is. You listen, like, go back and listen to Biggie's songs, it's like, getting to something from nothing, but then telling the world I'm already that person. When you have no reason to believe you're that person and people coming out of housing projects in different situations, standing tall and saying, I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. I'm gonna have this, I'm gonna do this. You're not gonna beat me. It's very aspirational and entrepreneurial as a music form. So it just makes sense to me why hip hop artists are embracing this to me. For sure. I wanna kinda gesture forward to like, the space is, it's a meme, everyone says we're early, but we are kind of early in this space. And like you say, if this had been around 35 years ago, we'd be looking at something very different right now. Um, so where do you kind of see things going? I mean, it's a broad question, but I think 
you know, both from the artist perspective and sort of the Yeah, I want to hear Big Boy opinion on this. Um, uh, to me, I, I, I kind of see it wrapping any type of creative tool you have. Like, um, I have a couple of animated series that um, are you know, super dope, and, and the art is so cool. And when I first saw the NFTs and was seeing, like, stick figures and stuff, I'm like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> Our characters from our cartoon are really the piece that they resist us. We put a beat behind this. We'll have some of the dopest NFTs going and then mm-hmm. take it a step further, like the, and have like episodes of the actual series. You know what I'm saying? So we're gonna go expand into that too. I think it's gonna go further than just music and um, just pictures. It's, it's gonna go further than that. I was talking about this this morning on a panel too, like so much attention gets given to the, you know, 10,000 generative PFP project, right? but there's so many other ways to approach this stuff, like you're saying, animated series, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah um, I think that's what's happening now. You know, Chris Dixon wrote a blog post on how the new technology, it, it always starts out as a toy, then people play with it and they break it, and that's when everybody comes in to fix it, all the talented people come in to fix it, and that's when productivity begins. And so I think the PFP moment was kind of the toy moment for NFTs. I think people are seeing now, okay, Here's, here's what I'm not getting from this, here's what I am getting from this. And you're seeing new models emerge where, okay, what do I actually own? What does this thing confer me the right to do? When you think about the big boy drop, you know, you bought that token, you might be, you might be a Stankonian next week. Yeah. You know, you might have access to Stankonian. Or to the dungeon, or to uh, the, dungeon. the house where, you know, we first started recording music, like real jewel pieces where you just can't get them unless you know somebody or if you invested into it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious too about like how, you know, experiences are going to combine all these different aspects, right? And like, especially as a performer, like there's so many different ways that you can play around with utility and things like that. I mean, have you at Royal, I don't know, have, have you like talked to artists about all kinds of utility with this stuff or? Yeah, I mean, that's what we, that's what we did with Big Boy. Like yeah. there are utilities with each level token that you have. It unlocks experiences, merch, and then you'll be able to do things that no one else can do. We're gonna enable artists to be able to do things for the token holders inside the account. So the future's coming, it'll be, you know, token holders will be able to to experience new music and media in ways that if you don't hold this token, you're not gonna be able to. So you're gonna see a lot of the same dynamics that you see on like, you know, sneaker, hot sneaker drops where you know there's a lot of there's a lot of hype around some of these drops and it's it's clout to own own that token but that's good because now you again you get a chance to organize your super fans yes yeah and then they get access to say a brand new kate bush record that i got that's the, the hottest shit in talk about that, it the hottest yeah. thing of the world right yeah. now um a real work of art that i was just like okay i want to do this as an nft and i said this before the Stranger Things hype came and then Stranger Things came on and she just blew back up and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the only person in the world I, with a brand new Kate Bush song. I know, I remember you did the Pitchfork interview where you said yeah. Kate Bush. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would have been the perfect thing, especially if it could have been a one-on-one, but the world got to hear this. Oh, the world got to hear this one. So you need to link with Kate Bush, this is what I'm... I re- no, it's done. It. It's, it's done. It's, I mean, song. It's okay. Done. In the can. You heard it here first. Yeah, man, it's coming. Um, I want to ask too about sort of like your perspective on the space in general, just from a sort of like industry perspective. Like, there's a lot of different companies in this space. Uh, Nate, maybe you can talk about this. Like, what sort of um, interests you most about the space 
you know, the, the tiny kind of Web3 music intersection. There's a ton of different companies, sound, and obviously Royal. Um, what's kind of been the most interesting experiments that you've seen lately? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of experiments around collectibles. Some people are actually minting the NF, the, the MP3 file itself. Royals, we, we don't mint any audio files. We, we point towards art, which represents the copyright. Um, we're not selling, so just to be clear, we're not selling the actual master. We're not selling the copyright. So the, owner, the, the artists still maintain ownership of the art and control of the art. What we're selling is essentially a share of the streaming royalties themselves. In the future, you know, there'll be a world where we can, we can potentially sell pub licensing, all of this mm. together, you know, bundled together, but not today. Um, and so I've seen, yeah, there's, there's been a ton of really interesting experiments. I think it's been fun to see artists like Latasha, who opened last night for you at Stubbs. But she was the first uh, black woman in uh, NFTs, and she did some really dope, dope um, experiments on sound and Oculus, and she was the first real experimenter uh, in that space, and so it was good to see her last night, and, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see artists like her and Verite, we dropped Ali, and Ali, artists like this who are new independent artists and running experiments across, you know, all these different platforms, so Zora and Sound and all these other platforms, to see what works for them, and I don't think there's a perfect mix, it's just your mix. Right. Cool. Well, we got 30 seconds, so I think I'll wrap it up. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you, man.